from First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve, verses twelve through fourteen. First Corinthians twelve, twelve through fourteen. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. Good morning. It's great to be here today, and it's a wonderful day to be a Christian, isn't it? I thought it would be. It's beautiful outside, beautiful inside, surrounded by wonderful people who love God, who want to share God's message with others, and who are not ashamed of the fact that God has a plan of salvation for us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my Lord. I'm not ashamed of my God, and I hope that you're not either. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about what part of the body am I? And when we think about coming to church, as you've made that decision today, you've made the decision to come here and to worship God here, and that's a wonderful decision, a great place to worship God. Uh, I have great admiration for the Mount Juliet Church. Creve Hall, of course, has many connections. Uh, Bill Watkins, we have him. You had him years ago. And uh, we have lots of other connections back and forth. I have great admiration for, uh, for your minister, David Shannon. He and I have been friends for many years. And I've never listened to David, but what I was just very, uh, very, very encouraged. I was taught well from the scriptures by him, and I was encouraged and spurned on to do something great. But as you've made this decision to come here to worship today, I hope that you don't think that this today is all that is required of you or expected of you from God. I hope that just coming and sitting and worshiping is not all that you are thinking about when you think about your Christian walk, because there's more. And so I want us to get into the questions today about what part of the body am I? And one of the questions that we're going to ask, ask first is, what can I do? Secondly, where do I fit in? And thirdly, what part of the body am I? Now let's take a, a moment here and let's look at this text again from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14. Paul writes here and says, For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now come this October 11th of this year, I will have been baptized for 40 years. Now I know that's a shock to many of you. You're thinking, he doesn't even look like he's 35. I'm 49. I was nine years old. I remember the date because it was my dad's birthday. And I remember the excitement that I had when I decided that I wanted to become a Christian. You see, my dad was a preacher, a good, faithful gospel preacher until his death uh, 12 years ago. And, and so I learned a lot from my father, and I also learned to follow him around. And as a process of following my father around before cable TV, that's how old I am, and, and before other things to get into, during the summertime especially, I would follow him up to the office. And he would need to study, but I was looking to, to learn some things. And so I would go and explore. That's what he told me to do, just go and explore in the building. And so I go through all the different classrooms, and I look at all the visual aids. The teachers and the other students used to hate to have flashcard day because I knew all the answers already. I had them memorized. But I went through that. I even went through the film strips. You remember the film strips? And so I went through all of that, and I began to drink in all this information. 
And so when I was nine, I was ready. I wanted to be a New Testament Christian. Now, I hadn't robbed anybody or done any real bodily harm to others, but I knew I'd sinned, I'd made mistakes, and I knew that that bothered me. And so I wanted those sins taken away. But I want to tell you something. Even though I was a preacher's kid and had all of that knowledge at that young, young age, I wasn't ready to do a lot in the church. As a matter of fact, after I became a Christian, it was some time before I was really put to work in a public or visible way. And so I had to start the process, just as you did and many others have done and will do, of asking these questions. What can I do for the church and for God? Where do I fit in? And what part of this body am I? You see, I grew up watching men who stood up here and and who led the singing. And I watched my father who preached. And I sat in the classes and I watched the teachers as they taught classes. But I wasn't ready to do any of those things. But I needed to be at some point in my life. And so there goes the process of looking and learning and seeing where we fit into the body of Christ. So here again, what part of the body am I? Where do I fit in? What can I do? Now, Paul is talking here about the fact that this one body is made up of many members. And so you have all these many members and they come together for just one body. And sometimes when we think of the church, we don't always think of every body, but we think of some key or principal people throughout the body of Christ. And so I want to use a simple illustration uh, with you this morning. I've used this before on some occasions. I used it first with a devotional for our young people at Creve Hall. And I sat there and I had, a, had an old Motorola Razor phone. I remember when this was cutting-edge technology. And I couldn't wait to get my hands on one of these phones because I thought, finally, this phone will close and I will never dial somebody from my pocket. You know, it's going to be great. But you know what? This technology is old now. I mean, this hasn't been on for probably two or three years. But I want, I want you to just think about a cell phone. You might have one on you right now. And, and I want you to just to think and tell me, or in your mind, answer the question, what's the most important part of this cell phone? Now, when I asked those teenagers, oh, they started having all kinds of answers. They, they named parts of the phone I didn't even know existed. They really know their phones. But they started off, and right off the bat, one of them said the battery, because without the battery, nothing else works. I said, that's great, but that's not the most important part. And somebody else said the screen. You've got to have the screen, because how can you see the pictures and see the text if you don't have the screen? I said, that's great, too, but it's not the most important part. And somebody else said, it's got to be the keys, because without the keys, you can't dial or do anything. I said, great, but that's not the most important part. Somebody else said, it's got to be the antenna. I said, that's important too, but guess what? And they all said, it's not the most important part. We let it go on for a few more minutes. They listed a few more parts of the phone. And then I started to tell them and explain to them that just like this phone, the church has no most important part. But just like this phone, the church has a purpose for every part in it. Now, that's an important concept, you see, because I can take this hinge out and the phone will no longer work. I can take the battery out. The phone will no longer work. I can take the, the uh, let's see, the six key out and the phone will no longer function properly. I can take any one of these parts out of the phone and this phone will no longer function as it's supposed to. Because this phone at one point had a design team that sat down and for a period of time, they decided exactly what needed to go into this phone. 
exactly which parts and how they work together and they fit together just like a hand in a glove. And when all the parts of this phone are working together, guess what? Your phone is going to work properly. Well, it shouldn't come to any surprise to us that the Lord's body, the church, is also a product of a designer. God is the designer for the church. And as we're going to read here in just a moment, He has set each of us as parts of this body in place just as He pleased. And so again, I've got these three questions. What can I do for the Lord's church? Where do I fit in? And what part of the body am I? Now, I put on Facebook uh, a couple of days ago that I would be here and what my topic was. And one of my good friends from Texas where I used to preach, he wrote and, and uh, in response to the question, what part of the body am I? He said, I think I'm just a big toe. We well, you know big toes are important. I don't know if you know that or not. Have you ever stubbed your big toe? Has, has, it, has it ever been hurting? Have you ever tried to walk without your little toe being in, in, in good shape? If it was broken, you walk funny. I've seen you. And so what part of the body am I? Let's, let's read on in our text now in verse 15 and following. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? You see, Paul is talking here in figurative terms about the church, and he's using the body parts as an illustration. Even in the early church, not everybody got along as they ought to. Not everybody could find their place and fit in to do the things that they needed to do. And Paul's encouraging them to understand the concept. You, each one of you, all of us, we all are part of this great body of Christ. And each one of us has a part or a function to perform or to be. And so we need to search that out. When I was nine years old, uh, there was a very limited number of things that I was allowed to do or encouraged to do around the church building and worship. But as I grew older, I was challenged to do more and more things. I was challenged not only just to be one of the little boys that came down the aisle and picked up the attendance cards... But then I went on to other things. Before long, I was up to say a prayer. And then they got me up to lead a song. And then before long, I was one of a dozen or so who got up to make a speech. And you see, all throughout my life, I've had to have these questions answered. I've not always consciously asked them, but the same process is going on. What can I do for the Lord? What can I do for the church? You see, it changes from stage to stage. When you're nine and newly baptized, your, your skill sets and your ability to give to the Lord is limited. When you get more mature, like me at 49, or I should say older, maybe I'm not mature, uh, older at 49, you have a different set of skills and abilities and resources and experiences upon which to draw. And when I get to be 60 or 70, the Lord willing, I'll have even a different set of abilities and things to do. You see, it changes With each stage that we go through, our relationship with the body of Christ also changes. Now look at verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleases or pleased. I like that verse because that draws our attention to this concept of the designer. You remember as I was talking about the phone, there was a team of people that went, I don't know who they are, But there were a team of people uh, that that went and designed every aspect of this phone. 
When they finished, they came up with a set of specs, specifications. And they sent those specifications out to other companies then who would either bid on the process of making the components for this phone or were already selected to do so. And the designer of this phone and the owner of this this patent fully expected that those manufacturers and those assembly people would follow their specifications down to the last small detail because they knew that this represented their company. This end product represented who they were. And if they sent out products that were missing the six key or had a battery that couldn't hold a charge or had a screen that flickered on and off, they knew that those small parts that were not functioning or some that were missing would take away from the the value and the purpose of that company. Likewise, God the designer has designed this body, the body of Christ, the church. And he's designed it in such a way that each of us can participate in the life and vitality of this church so that we can encourage one another, build each other up for love and good works, and do other things so, to, so that the world can show, uh, so that we can show the world the glory of the Father. And so we ask those questions. What can I do? Where do I fit in? And what part of the body am I? We saw here from verses 15 through 17 that sometimes the parts of the body might be jealous. They might say, well, I know I can do this, but I would much rather be doing that. But yet you ask those questions, what can I do, where do I fit in, and what part of the body am I? He goes on in verse 19 and says, If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather these members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. You see, sometimes in some churches... We, we see that struggle, and Paul was seeing it even in the first century, that sometimes there were power struggles, and sometimes there were personality conflicts, and sometimes there were just jealousies that would arise over who's supposed to do what. And he says, you need to think, you need to find the part of the body that you are. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body. Here's another uh, reference to the fact that there's a design and a designer here for the church. God has composed the body. See that? Having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism. Now that word schism means division. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. Now, we know how that works, don't we? Now, if Paul were talking to us today and he's trying to show us that the body of Christ is like our physical body, and he's saying if one member suffers, we all suffer with it, how true is that? I was walking outside uh, a couple of months ago, and I don't think I actually broke the toe, but I was walking along, and I was barefoot outside, walking across the patio, and my foot came up very abruptly against a, a, a concrete uh, walk, a paver, and it hurt. I mean, it hurt. Uh, if there had been music playing, they would have thought I was dancing in the backyard because I grabbed that foot very quickly, and, and I was very, very intent on trying to provide some relief to that throbbing, aching toe. Now, that's just my little bitty toe. Out of all the parts of my body, it's a very, very small part. But guess what? It demanded a lot of attention right quick. 
And it got it. And the next morning when I tried to put on a shoe, it got it again. Because it said, don't forget me, I'm still hurting. And just like our our little toe, or if we get a paper cut, or if we have a sore throat, or something else happens to us, even those small parts of our body are going to demand the attention from the rest of our body. And Paul says the body of Christ is like that. That all of us are interconnected. And when the smallest of us is going to suffer, we're all going to know about it. But likewise, when we have great joy, all the parts of the body are going to celebrate along with it. He says in verse 27, for you are the body of Christ and members individually. I'm glad that my wife Carla is with me today. We'll soon be married 28 years and and, it seems uh, just a remarkable journey. Our boys are 20. We still can't, can't quite grasp that. But as we go on through this journey together, we're, we're happy to meet so many wonderful people. And as we go from place to place, and as we have the opportunity like today to come to a, to a congregation that we've not been to before, we meet people, uh, some people that we've met before and some people that we've never met, but we meet people and we have a connection. We're all connected in this body of Christ. And it's wonderful because we are all members of that one body. Now, verse 28 through the rest of the chapter He details here some of the things that he has done in this process. Remember verse 18, God set the members of the body, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And God also has composed the body, meaning this is his design. And he says, God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variances of varieties of tongues. He says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And then he sums it up in verse 31 by saying, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Here's what I get out of that passage when he sums it up in such a way. Just like me as a small preacher's kid, as I'm growing up, I become a child of God at age nine. I'm not ready to take the pulpit or to teach a class. I'm not ready to do a Bible study. I'm not ready to do a lot of things for the Lord's kingdom at that time. But I need to be at some point in my life. I need to desire to do those things. I need to have the desire to grow in my spiritual life and to grow in my skills and abilities and, and to, so, so I can affect a greater response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you will, let's turn over uh, to Ephesians chapter 4, a few pages over to the right. Ephesians chapter 4, and this will be the only other passage that we'll go to today in this lesson. Just 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Again, the three questions, what can I do, where do I fit in, what part of the body am I? See, as an involvement minister, those are questions that I grapple with. And and even before as a pulpit minister, many times we'd see people who would come in and, and be newly baptized or come into our community and and place membership with us. And it's very difficult to find places for everybody. Because you know about the 80-20 rule, right? That 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And sometimes we, we latch on to a job, and this happens everywhere. Uh, sometimes we latch on to a job or a function or, or a purpose within the church, and, and we just kind of hold on to that forever. And nobody else ever has an opportunity to do that. Now, there's some things that need to be done by those people because of their skill sets. 
And there are other opportunities, though, where if we bring in more people and we have greater experiences doing these things and we spread that work out over 100% of the church instead of just 20% of the church, then we have more people involved, more input, more ideas on how things can get done. In Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 11. Here again, Paul is speaking, and the same general theme and topic, he's talking now uh, about the body, and this is all one long sentence from verse 11 on, so, but we're going to stop in, in the middle of it and talk about it some. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now here we go again th- talking about the design and the purpose of each of the members of the body. These functions were given, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, that is, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And what he's saying there is, here's the purpose. We each have a role and a function to perform. Some of the men stood up here before this table this morning They were each given an assignment at some point earlier in the week and they probably met this morning to make sure that they knew which pew to sit on and which section to serve. And after the prayer was given, each one of them went to their designated areas and they performed that task. Now, I don't know about here, but uh, at other places where I've been, we don't use the same six or eight guys every Sunday all year long for that. There'll be other people that'll do that. But here's the purpose that they had for this hour of worship. It was to serve us in that particular section. The purpose of each one of us, he says, is so that we can equip the saints for the work of ministry and to edify or build up the body of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children, that is, small in the faith or immature in the faith, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but... Speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Here's the concept again of growing or not staying as an infant. Remember, David and others have stood here and they've told you about uh, the process of becoming a Christian. And as we are buried with Christ in the likeness of his death, we're raised to walk in newness of life as we're raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And as we're raised to walk in newness of life, the Bible calls us babes or infants We are spiritually small and infants in Christ at that time. He says, don't stay that way. You need to grow up. I got to tell you, 20 years ago when we adopted our twins, they were such a great joy, and they still are, but in a different way. I mean, they were such a great joy when I could put them both in my hands and and arms, and and I could lay back in in the recliner, and all three of us could go to sleep there. That was such great joy. Uh, they're bigger than I am now. We can't go in the recliner and sit that way. They have a different joy now. And as, and as great as they were and as cute as they were, you know how these kids are as they're just so cute as they're growing up? Uh, they don't stay that way. We know that they're going to be teenagers one day and they won't be as cute with their attitudes. And we know that one day that they'll finally finish college and get a job and, and not, you know, we know they're going to grow up. Guess what? God wants us to grow up too spiritually. He wants us to accept the things that we need to do. Speak the truth in love. Grow up in all things into Him which is the head Christ. Now verse 16 sums all of these two passages up together for me. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. That's a key phrase. 
according to the effective working by which every part does its share. And that's my key phrase for this whole passage. All of this together that he's been talking about since verse 11 causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. When I look at a simple thing like a cell phone, I take for granted all the design that went into it. I take for granted that the battery is going to last and that the signal is going to be there when I dial the phone and that I'm going to be able to get access to my emails instantly as soon as they're sent. I take that for granted. And I take it for granted because of the excellent design of the system and of the phone and of the whole process. I've come to rely on the fact that this is not an assembly of parts, but it is a single unit. It is a phone. It is a tool. I don't fixate on the battery or the screen because I'm more interested in what it can do and what it can accomplish. And friends, when we think about the church... We need to also remember that it is a product of a great design. It's a product of our designer God who said that each one of us needs to fit in just in a certain way. And as we all come together, as we each are supplying to the other what they need, as we each learn to do our share, all of this together causes growth of the body. Because we, friends, are not an assembly of Christians put together. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. And so we focus not on the individuals, but we focus on the purpose of the church, what it is to do. Look again with me at verse 16. From, the whom, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Let me ask those three questions. What can I do to help supply others in the church? Financially, emotionally, spiritually, other resources? Where do I fit, fit in? Where can I find a place for my skills, talents, and abilities and desires to fit in so that I can supply to the rest of the body of Christ? What part of the body am I? And then also that great phrase that follows. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Here again, we need to think in terms of where do I fit into the body of Christ? Am I going to be the big toe? Am I the eye? Am I the hand? Am I the feet that gets us there? What part of the body am I? Where do I fit in? What can I do? I think if you meditate on those two passages, and if you read them, you'll come to that same conclusion that God has a plan and a purpose for every part of the body of Christ. You occupy a pew this morning but I hope that's not the end of your commitment to Christ this week. Think about what you can do to encourage someone who's sitting right next to you. In the hour that follows in the Bible class, think of what you could do to encourage and uplift and to help someone else that you see. Think of what you can do as you go later and as you go out to eat or as you go to work tomorrow. Think of what you could do to have your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Well, I thank you for your kind attention this morning. We have a song of encouragement that's been selected. And if any of you are here this morning, and if you're a child of God already, if you've been struggling in some way, we want you to know that we'd love to be able to pray with you and help you in whatever way. Privately, we can meet with you, or publicly, you can walk right down. We'll pray with you this very hour. And if you're here this morning and not yet a child of God, you've not yet 
put on Christ in baptism, you've not yet confessed before others that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, what that tells me is that you're still carrying the burden of your sins around. You're still walking, not being a citizen of heaven, having a place reserved for you already that Jesus promised that he would do. Why don't you come also? Walk down this aisle. Tell us that I want to be a New Testament Christian. Won't you do that right now while we stand and while we sing?